Hello, this is Rhett Bartlett and welcome to episode three of the Raw podcast, an oral history of the Richmond Football Club told by those who were there. And this is a very special podcast episode. I was very saddened to hear the passing of Neville Crow, one of the great stalwarts of the Richmond Football Club. Just his playing career alone would have got him into the Hall of Famer. 150 games from 1957 to 67. That include 84 goals. He was Richmond captain from 1963 to 1966. And he won the best and fairest in 1963, 1964, 1966. And he was runner-up in 1961 and 1965. In fact, in 1961, he was runner-up by six votes and he did not play the last seven games of the season. He was inducted into the Richmond Hall of Fame in 2002. But to many, he simply saved our club as the figurehead of Save Our Skins. In 2007, I sat down with Neville at Tigerland where he was working. And we had not seen each other since, well, Save Our Skins days and when my father was coach in 1991. So it was a reunion of sorts. And here is part one of my interview with Neville Crow. Um, I always start each interview just by asking your full name and your date of birth, please. It was, so I don't have any second names, so I was just Neville Crow. And it's uh, 1-6-1937. No second names at all? No second names. We were too poor. Much too poor. <laughs> <laughs> Did your father have a second name, though? No, he didn't actually. Oh. Uh, my, my brother was John Kingsford Crow, named after uh, Kingsford Smith, the, uh, the pilot guy. Uh, but I, um, I didn't get wound up with a. So I finished up uh, you know, with Neville, which I didn't like. I would have preferred Peter. Peter? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's another story altogether. Won't go there. <laughs> um, can I ask uh, your, your father's name and what he did for a living? Yeah, Dad was John, uh, better known as Jack, and he, uh, he worked on the. Um, the railways. Oh, right. I was born up in Bendigo uh, in, uh, in 1937 and Dad was, uh, after two or three years there, we came down to town and he uh, he just went through the process of uh, working on Flinders Street and then on Princess Bridge. He was the guy that did all the announcing over the... Uh, really? The uh, train now leaving and all that sort of <laughs> stuff. So I used to go there and a lot and uh, have a bit of fun and turn the clocks on and all that sort of stuff. So. <laughs> But that was Dad's occupation, and he, he roved around the country before my brother and myself were born. I think that I think that voice. You, I mean, your voice is, is very deep, and I reckon that would suit you doing that role too. Yeah, why not go in there and see this sort of job for those station masters <laughs> turning the clocks and all that sort of stuff? <laughs> That's fantastic. So, have yeah. you been back to the country, or, or back to that We've area? Never, never lived uh, outside of Melbourne. We we came down when I was uh, or just about preschool age, I suppose, and uh, lived with my grandmother in Elsinwick. Yeah, and then. Uh, Dad and Mum uh, rented a house uh, a couple of doors down from what is now the Chadston Shopping Centre, and uh, we um, we finished up buying that property from the, uh, yeah. the then owner, and uh, that's where I did all my growing up teenage years, and uh, then uh, when I got married for the first time. I uh, shifted out at about age 24, 25. Yeah. Do you know what your earliest football memory is? It doesn't have to involve Richmond, but something where you can remember involving football in any capacity. Well, I think. Yeah, well, I was probably like most kids that uh, I, I, I can't remember ever not having a footy in my hands, you know, from, from sort of a, a starting point. Yeah. We uh, had a bunch of guys, including uh, Stuart Maxfield's dad, Brian, was uh, yeah. was a 
good mate of mine there, yeah. two Nimpy years. We used to uh, we used to uh, go down to Chadston Park as it was there, and uh, you know once I found a way to get out of Sunday school, we were there uh, all day. You know, we'd uh, we'd go home when it, when it went dark, you know, so we'd just kick the footy and you know, pretend we were um, in my case Bill Morris. Or in uh, seeing Brian Maxfield Barry for Collingwood, he was a Bobby Rose fan. So uh, we uh, and we had another fellow called Lloyd Thomas who used to come. And, uh, we we just spend all day kicking a footy. Yeah. So uh, uh, which strange enough, later on uh, it was a bit weird because I uh, I gave football away yeah. to to play tennis. Right. Was, uh, and I was you know, a reasonable sort of tennis player, and uh, uh, I didn't want to damage my hand, so I finished up playing soccer. But the only position they gave me was the only one I could touch the bloody ball in here. So I was, uh, there I was with uh, you know, trying to save goals and all that sort of stuff. But no. that only, uh, that was, you know, during my, my, my time at Melbourne High School, I, I didn't kick a footy. And that, that was the time no. I, I should have been uh, sort of staying there to get a real feel for, for match day footy. But uh, yeah, well, it didn't, uh, didn't happen. So it was just a little interlude of tennis for, for a couple of years. So when did you actually first start playing football, you know, for a team or for a school? Yeah, first compared, I, I, I played a bit of school footy yeah. at state school, uh, and then went on to um, uh, to Gardner Central, oh, yeah. and uh, you know, played a few games there in the, uh, in the in the team. When I went to Melbourne High, yeah, that's when I did this changeover bit. Um, so then my my first real hit out was uh, when I went to play with um, Auburn Amateurs in the under 19. So I didn't even own a pair of footy boots. I, I went down there and trained in a pair of desert boots. <laughs> they all wanted to do this gig was no footy shorts and shorts. <laughs> oh, just that's the look. But uh, it was a guy at uh, at work, a fellow called Bob Hamilton, uh, who um, he uh, he asked me if I'd come down and, and just sort of try out. So uh, I went down there and then uh, played in the under 19s and uh, we uh, we won every game for the year apart from the one that mattered, the grand final. So uh, that was the start of me missing grand finals, which was interesting. Um, but that's, uh, that's where I started to play footy, and then uh, from there I was working in the State Savings Bank at the time, so uh, yeah. they had uh, they were in the A-grade amateurs, because in those days the, uh, we were over on Saturday mornings, which meant that all the country guys wouldn't dash back home to play footy, they'd right. play with the bank side. Uh, and I was coached by a fellow called George Coates, who was a famous centre at Fitzroy, and he, uh, uh, when I was training with um, uh, the State Savings Bank, that's when I was invited down by, uh, by uh, Maurice Fleming and Roy Wright came out to see me uh, playing a game down at uh, down on the beach where Rio Abel was, and uh, you know, he uh, he uh, was asked. I asked him. I said, yeah, "Should I go down and you know, start training with Richmond?" He said, oh, "I'd look to go down there and do the pre-season, do the world of good." And uh, you know, lo and behold, I was picked in the first game. So that was all a bit of fun. Do you know who Roy Wright and Murray Fleming were when they oh, came? Oh yes, in? yeah. That's that's a, a key point. I was uh, a Richmond Barracker from oh. the time I arrived on the planet because. Uh, <laughs> Uh, my brother, who was nine years older than me, and used me as a punching bag, uh, threatened if ever, if ever I didn't, if ever I didn't uh, vote for Richmond, he'd kill me. So, um, and he nearly did about seven times, I reckon, but not to do with footy. He was just a, he was a maniac. Um, so uh, I was, uh, in those days, there were zones, and I yeah. was zoned about 200 metres, I suppose, or 200 yards in from Danny on Road, uh, in a little Chadston sort of area, and that's. Uh, uh, that's where, um, yeah, when, when push came to shove, yeah. uh, I was in Richmond's territory. So it all, all played the hand out. Was, uh, was was just terrific. Did you did your father back for Richmond? No, he back for North Melbourne. He was very very passionate about North Melbourne. Mum uh, couldn't have cared less either way. They neither of them were, were sports people, uh, which is a bit interesting. Uh, my brother was a, a, a 
good sports. We needed a lot of sports. So mm. Played once again a lot of tennis and uh, thereby the tennis connection. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just a, a wonderful thing to grow up you know, uh, and come down here. And you know, I, I know when I first came down, I used to say to, to Roy Wright, Mr. Wright, I called him Mr. Wright, you know, because <laughs> so I thought this was the thing that they did. But you know, it wasn't uh, Hiya Charlie or anything like that, it was uh, Mr. Wright. And uh, he, he got me out of that habit pretty quickly. And uh, But to just to walk around the rooms and see guys. Uh, like Jack Dyer and yeah. people that I used to look at because John would bring me to all the games. I used to perch on the uh, the fence down the far end there on a little bit of steel thing that was barbed wire all over it and I used to perch up on there and call out Cone the Tigers with my squeaky little uh, boy soprano and uh, uh, John used to get me into the rooms which was just sort of mind-boggling stuff with uh, Ray Polder and uh, uh, Dyer and Donnie Fraser and you know, uh, Des Rowe and Roy of course was just a relatively young fellow coming into the, the game then. So it was, a, it was just a genuine thrill, it always has been, just to be part of that Richmond culture since day one. And did the, did the players mingle with you as, as a child? Oh, I mean, very much. Were they oh, yes, just yeah. the supporters who were coming? Yeah, you'd, you'd have a lot of supporters, and kids used to love getting into the room. Yeah. And uh, you know, uh, you know, we had plenty of um, pats on the head from, uh, from you know, those players. It was all you know, just a, a sensational, uh, right. enjoyable thing to have happen. You know. Did you ever do the running onto the ground at the end of the game to get oh, the autograph? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I used to have got the autograph book. It's probably still somewhere at home, back up I know where, but uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that was always a thrill too to get uh, yeah, the, the autographs of those time with the guys at the time, Des Rowe and Havel Rowe and uh, Jeff Spring and Johnny Nixon, you know, a lot of those guys have played in those uh, late 40s, early 50s. And so Bill Morris was your, your childhood football yes, hero growing up? he was, yeah. yeah why, was that? why Bill Morris? Oh, I just loved watching him. You know, yeah. He was so graceful. It was just, uh, he, he had that sort of Royce Hart hang in the air thing for, uh, and he was only a relatively small guy. He was only about six, one and a half, I suppose. And, uh, and he was a left-hander and, and mm. a left-foot kick. But he was, I just was absolutely staggered at the grace with which he did everything. You know, it was just, uh, he was just a, a fluent sort of guy. And yeah. uh, you just couldn't see how he could do the things that he could do. And his palming was just magnificent to Billy Wilson. I used to love the the connection between Ruckman and Rover. Yeah. So even then, I guess the, the stage was being set to uh, to, to enter into this yeah. Ruck-Rover sort of deal that, uh, in use of the hands. And uh, I uh, I just uh, idolised him. And, uh, he wore number five. So uh, when I got here and was handed number five, well, uh, it was just a, a joyous thing. You didn't ask for it? They just uh, didn't they, request they, they, they gave it to me. They, uh, so it was, uh, and it was vacant. So um, yeah, that, was, that was just another... Uh, Thing that nailed uh, the love affair together. Did you get to meet Bill? Uh, no, he died. Uh, I would have met him as, as a kid, but cool. uh, he, he, he died before I came mm. out here to play uh, in any way, shape, or form. Was it? Were you always a ruckman in your earlier playinghood playing years? Oh, I mean, you, you're, you're quite tall. I guess you might have been the t one of the tallest in the teams and stuff. Oh, I didn't. I, I didn't. I accelerated very quickly. I, I know at, uh, at Melbourne High School, yeah. which would have been. Uh, Year three or year four of uh, secondary school, if you like, uh, I was five foot nine and nine stone seven. So uh, you know, right. all of a sudden, I gave for six foot four and a half, oh. and, uh, and about um, twelve or thirteen stone. I was a skinny little faggot. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> still am to a degree. It's just reshaped a bit. But uh, you know, it's, uh, it's it's just been um, you know, an interesting ride. In that yeah. um, has the ground changed much since when you first came here? Has punt road itself changed much? Oh, the the whole precinct. It's interesting. I uh, in my job here, I, uh, I quite 
quite often get to take uh, you know, groups of people around to do a, a sort of a tour of the Hunt Road precinct. And uh, you know, forgetting the ground momentarily, but there's you know, there's landmarks that go back uh, you know, over 100 years. When you think if you, if you stand out about the middle of the ground, you can look up on the left-hand side and perched up on the hills, the Palaco Factory. Well, you know, everyone knows the Palaco Factory could just been there forever. Mm. You know, where they've been making shirts for a, for a, you know, a long, long time. And come further around, and got St Ignatius, of course, on the hill where Jack went to, to school, and uh, Sheets went to school, and others, uh, you know, that all went to, to school at St Ignatius. And you swing around, and uh, you can pick up uh, just about pick up the view of Dimmage Tower yes. in Swan Street, but you can certainly see the Bryant May factory, which uh, you know, goes back to the days of matches, sort of thing, and then uh, swing down to the silos uh, on, uh, you know, on the bridge there, and of course, there was no bridge originally, and that's uh, that's where Punt Road got its name because they used to punt over on a uh, on a boat from one side of the river to the other to uh, to, to do the negotiating in the city. So uh, um, nothing much has changed. And you, you stare across the road at the Royal Hotel where uh, you know, the very first meeting was held at you know the, the RFC or the formation of the RFC. No topless barmaids in those days, <laughs> which is just as well. <laughs> There's a sign out the front of the board: topless barmaids. <laughs> Um, and then you've got all the little terrace houses and a few factories and things now that have been turned into apartments and things of that nature. But the landscape effectively hasn't changed. Now, Punt Road has changed in as much as it was widened during my time. And yeah. pinched a, you know, a slab of the wing, which mm, uh, is one of the things that gets up Terry's nose because he doesn't have enough room to, to, to set out the game plan the way he'd like to. He'd like to be uh, you know, on a bigger ground. So maybe when this new um, you know, wrecking of a social club and uh, rebuilding of... Uh, of uh, new facilities yeah. that uh, I don't know whether we can pinch any more of the, 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 the ground right. back or something. Yeah, right. I don't know. That might be a tough ask for uh, for city councils and things of that nature. You have a great sense of of the history of, of not only the club but also of Richmond. Has that always been associated with you? Have you always had a a, a knowledge or, or wanting to know more about Richmond itself? Yeah, Richmond itself. Richmond I mean, suburb. you're talking. Yeah, you're talking about Richmond suburb itself, but also the players who you saw growing up. Has it always interested you? About this history and about this past. Yeah, it did because uh, you know when when you know, when I was uh, here, you know, the, all the little terrace houses, which are now prized possessions, yeah. uh, were all slums. Effectively, okay. you know, there was uh, uh, it was a very interesting thing. And, and in my career in the bank, I, I, I worked at uh, both Bridge Road. I yeah. worked at Bridge Road for a period of time. Then I came down to the State Bank in Swan Street and yeah. worked there for a period of time. Then I sh- I was shifted to um, East Melbourne or Jollymont, as they call yeah. it, right across the road from Jollymont Station. So. I got to know these parts very, very well on all the back streets of Richmond where you'd try to sneak by to get the traffic uh, flow through <laughs> and so forth and so on. And, and uh, yeah, well, in the days of uh, Desrail and Max Lockie owned the, uh, the Vaucluse Hotel, so I, I worked across the road from it. So I'd go across to a, a bowl of spaghetti every day for, for lunch at uh, Rowie's Pub. And uh, yeah, well, so there was a long relationship with Des and he was, uh, he was just a fantastic fellow, yeah. great fellow. So, yeah, you could say that I've, I've, I've certainly got a, a, an overall interest uh, in it without studying it. You sure. know, I've read the history book ten yep. times, but uh, yeah, I don't remember much of it. Looks as though it's been read ten a thousand times then, Neville, too. It's taken a bit but of a pacing, yeah, I, I still refer to it from time to time. It's tattered. <laughs> I've got a better one at home. Yeah, I've got two. One's at home, which I don't touch, the other one, which is what I refer to. Yeah. The, um, did you come to Richmond in the position of a ruckman? Is that... Is that your understanding? Is that how, what yeah, Murray and yeah, Roy was after? Yeah, that was a question you asked me earlier. I uh, I played a bit of bit of full forward. Yeah. You know, when yeah. I was at state school, but then from there on in, given that I didn't do much in secondary school, yeah. uh, I uh, I came down as a ruckman you know, from the state savings bank, and then uh, just uh, 
went on from there. Played a little bit of, uh, I think at one stage there, they, they tried to teach me to be a full forward and uh, I think I kicked one goal seven in the first half against Burton Howe and they decided maybe I wasn't a full forward after all. <laughs> this, is, this is in the seniors, you're referring yeah, to? Wow. Yeah, Goodness. but that's, um, yeah, well, I, I straightened the kicking out uh, a little bit later, but uh, still not all that uh, accurate. Can you give me an idea of, firstly, who would mentor you, who would look after you through this early stage when you came to the club? And, and what did training for Ruckman consist of? I've seen photos of balls on pulley strings and stuff. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there was a bit of that, I just think uh, yeah. myself. <laughs> yeah, Very scientific. Was, yeah, modern, modern, modern day facilities they were. The, the ball <laughs> on the string, God damn it. Um, no, well, I think they, uh, when I first came down here, the, uh, the players that took an active interest in me were yeah. certainly Roy Wright, yeah. uh, because he was in locker number two and I was in locker <laughs> number five. So, and I didn't own a car, so Roy used to drive me home, and he was just a, a great delight to, to talk with on a constant basis and very, very, uh, very, very good mentor in terms of um, you know, teaching me more about the game and uh, what it was all about, but you know, uh, giving me some, some life lessons as well, I guess. Um, and he, uh, Tommy Hafey was fantastic. Tommy was just one of those guys that uh, befriended me very, very quickly and uh, helped me enormously. Um, and uh, my little rover mate was a fellow called Teddy Langridge, and uh, Teddy was a, 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 a very, very useful fellow to have around because he, um, he used to dong blokes, so I didn't, but he didn't mind yeah, letting let him fly here and there. So he, uh, a very interesting incident once because he always used to reckon I was uh, too soft. Uh, maybe he was right, but I only knew one thing that was getting the ball. And uh, you know, if they kept whacking me in the head while I was doing that, and I didn't whack him back, well, he um, he thought it was best if you whacked him back. Mm. You know, but uh, that wasn't in my nature. And, uh, and you know, pleasing records, I won my last three fights by 300 yards, I reckon. So, um, uh, you know, he language was terrific. He uh, there was one incident down at South Melbourne in a night game. We're playing in a night premiership, and there was. Um, Cliff Deacon and Jimmy Taylor were both ruckmen for South Melbourne, and uh, you know, uh, just as we were about to run out the race, Teddy Langridge just hooked me. He just smashed me in the face, and he, he just raced out there because I'm I'm breathing fire at this stage. You know, what are you doing that for? He said, he said, he said well, don't hit me. He said, hit them. <laughs> so he got his own back, and sure enough, I, I had a bit of a what I thought was a, a punch on with Jimmy Taylor, but yeah. it, it was more of a wrestle, and um, he finished up on the ground. So I reckon I won that one. Uh, but that's Teddy was terrific to me as well in terms. He was a very sophisticated, uh, intelligent fellow uh, in amongst the larrikin sort of behaviour. Uh, um, and he once again, uh, I guess, gave me a few lessons of life as we, as we went along. But none of the guys that, uh, that I grew up with, uh, who were uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, Vic. Vic Naismith. Yeah, Vic was uh, was very good. As a matter of fact, uh, I think we were best men at one another's weddings. Uh, so uh, he was a terrific fellow uh, too. So well, they're all good fellows. They're just yeah. a terrific bunch of people at that stage, and it was um, uh, a good club administrator because Murray Fleming's a, a star, and he he, uh, he then went as president, and, uh, uh, and Bill Timms took over as the secretary, as they were called then. And you know, Bill used to smoke about 400 cigarettes a day when you'd walk in for training. This this little room would be filled with smoke that you could cut with a knife. You know, so uh, that's when smoking was king. I that's guess. right. <laughs> Or what have you. Did, um, did, do you remember one or two, or maybe the main advice that Roy Wright would give you as a ruckman? I mean, was there one key thing that he would stress to you? Yeah, I think um, Roy, once again, was, uh, he was a big fellow, but he was only about six foot two and a half, and therefore I was a couple of inches taller than he. But uh, one thing he did uh, tell me right from the start was uh, 
and in those days you, you still had to bustle for position. It's yep. a very different thing to, to perhaps what it is now. Where it's been through all sorts of stages, players wrestling and uh, you know, trying to you know, get the centre square or centre circle sorted out and so forth and so on. But uh, um, one thing that Roy always impressed upon me, he said, yes, you've got to be in front. He said, but don't get in front whilst the ball has been thrown in from the boundary. You know, if you time everything right, you can arrive as the ball hits your hand. That's when you need to be in front so that you can direct the ball wherever you want to. And he was a great proponent of telling me to, you know, to be able to use both hands mm. you know, in, in ruck yeah. duels and things of that nature. So, uh, and interestingly, I passed that bit of advice on to Mike Green, and uh, he said it was some of the best advice he ever had. You know, bear in mind, Green, he was a sensational player, but probably didn't need too much advice. Oh. But he took it to heart as a, when he was playing under 19s, and because uh, I could just see that he had tremendous potential uh, even then. So uh, it was great, and he, uh, he mentioned it on several occasions mm. that uh, we're out, uh, you know, the sportsman's nights or mm. whatever it might be. It's just interesting. When I, when I spoke to Roy Wright and I interviewed him, he told me he used to keep a book. Which had all the weaknesses and strengths of his opponents. Is that right? And go home and study that, and, yeah. and you know, and you add to it after each match and stuff like that. Did you do anything like that, or did you find that you're able to, because you played often, find the strengths and the weaknesses of of the the opponent's record? Yeah, I think uh, I, I I didn't I didn't do it as particular studied way as uh, as Roy did, but I uh, you know, I'm certainly very 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 aware of my my two major opponents were, uh, were Polly Farmer and John Nicholl. Mm. You know, I, I absolutely love playing on them, and I, I'd set myself up from the, from the close down of one week to the, the week after that I was going out on Saturday to play Farmer or, or Nichols. I just love it. I just look forward to that immensely. And a lot I of supporters a, would have too, I reckon. I had a very, very good record uh, against them, which was you know, terrific to, to yeah. think about, but then I'd have someone like Elkin Riley from South Melbourne come out and dust me up, and you think, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was... <laughs> Balance, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Can I, do you mind if I just ask, what, what made you successful against Polly? Oh, I guess it's, you know, it's both a, a mental and physical uh, war, isn't it, at the end of the day? Uh, you know, and I was once again just sort of totally focused on the ball. And mm. I, I, was, I could probably outspring him, and I think mm. that's probably helped me enormously with, uh, with some of the other guys as well, though I had a decent sort of spring. Um, and... If I was getting the ball first, well, mm. uh, I never had any difficulties with it. You know, and, uh, you know, marking around the ground and in contests and things of that nature, I reckon that extra couple of inches probably helped me a bit. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if I go through the scrapbooks, I can always say, yes, three votes, that'll be me. Yeah, for Farmer uh, or Nichols, it was always good. You spoke earlier about the, the relationship between the Ruckman and the Rover. Did you then try to build on that when you played with, with the Rovers that you had? Did you... Spend time together, you know, was, oh, the, was all so. the practice around just you two or three? Yeah, we went to, uh, you know, Teddy language was terrific. We, uh, you know, wherever I went, and you, know, you asked me earlier about training for yeah. Rackman Ball, you know, our training was you know, basically everybody did the same, it was just good old circle work, you know, that's what you did, you know, whether you liked it or whether you didn't, it was circle work, but, you know, uh, and also uh, we used to have, a, you know, quite a long kick to kick. I, I was working in the bank, I was able to get down here a bit earlier, and we used to, uh, you know, the big blokes would sort of kick to kick yeah. end to end, and, uh, you know, that, that was terrific practice in as much as, you know, getting up and taking marks against Big Jerk or Jenkin or someone like that, you know, was uh, was uh, was interesting. But I'd always have Teddy Language by my side. The minute I hit the ground, uh, you know, I'd be, I'd be looking to start to run on because uh, later on, uh, you know, when, when Len Smith became our coach, you know, that was just a revelation because he was just a, a mastermind as far yeah. as I was concerned. I, I learned more in one season with Len Smith than I learned with everybody else that I ever worked with. He was just unbelievable.
and uh, that, that was part of the deal to, to move on quickly and, and get handball away. So I'd have language running alongside me, you know, just asking for the ball all the yeah. time. Whenever I got it, he was there. Yeah. So we developed a relationship and later on, um, when Alan Richardson came along, the ball was just a magnificent ruck rover. Mm. He, uh, you know, he had an unbelievable and uncanny ability to get where I could hit it. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, we, we used to talk a lot uh, you know, on the ground and uh, you know, it, you know, he'd see where I was going and, uh, and the ball would get itself into the clear and he'd be running away with it and he'd handball it to Northy and away it went. So it was... Uh, and yeah, we, we developed a, a lot of skills, and we talked about it a lot as, as it went on too. Uh, you know, that, uh, I remember um, going out to play at Footscray against Gary Dempsey. We had a little uh, guy called Charlie, uh, what was Charlie's name, a little uh, Aboriginal guy. He'll come to me. Yep. But he, um, uh, they were calling out numbers, you know, number 10, you know, and I'd say, what's going on here? You know, because he's about three inches taller than me, uh, Dempsey, and a hell of a ruckman. Um, and I, I couldn't work it out. Uh, and then I was talking with uh, with the Ravers, and they say, uh, one of them said, it probably was, it might have been a little bit late for Teddy Language, but it might have been uh, someone in that interim period before your dad came along. Uh, and he said, that they're, they're calling on a clock face. In other words, uh, straight up and down the ground was north and south, and then right. it was east and west. Uh, but on the time clock, it was, it was 12 o'clock midnight, it was 12 right. o'clock, and they just sort of say 12. Yeah. And I'd say 12, what's, what's, what's the 12 about? Buddy Dempsey, he gave me a, a real hiding there one day. I don't think I touched the ball. He was just, uh, he was just magnificent the way he used the ball to, um, to his rovers. And uh, so um, you keep learning, uh, no matter where you go. Sure. Did your style change over the ten years at the club? Did you find if you if you look back at when you first started to, at the end of your career, did you find that your style was still the same? Was was your? Oh, my, hand, my hands, uh, you know, in terms of you know, both uh, centre bounces and, and throw-ins, they were, uh, you know, that, that was you know, a real expertise-type field. You know, where, and you know, I, I was lucky enough to you know, take enough marks around the ground to, yeah. to be in the play. But I think once Len Smith came and he really took on uh, with a vengeance the, uh, you know, the handballing process and uh, getting the ball moving. And uh, as I mentioned, he showed us such a lot in a, in a scientific manner for those days, you know, uh, what, what the ball could do. Yeah. You know, when it's in transition from being kicked, you know how much, uh, how much, how quickly a man can get from player A to player B while the ball's in the air, and uh, you, know, uh, you never thought about no. that. But uh, you know, someone could run 50 yards while the ball was being kicked, oh. while, while it was in the air. The guy would make the, hundred, uh, the 50 yards easy. You know, I never thought about that. No. You know, but, uh, but that all changed as, as we got the running game going, and uh, uh, when Tommy took over and. Uh, you know, Kick it along to Royce, which was the catch cry, and uh, you know, that's that's what everybody did. And then, but we still had uh, you know, players coming down the ground, then uh, Billy Brown and uh, guys like that running down from the wing, and, and some uh, pretty respectable sort of roving department mm. there as well. Mm. So, uh, uh, so I don't think the style actually changed, apart from using a lot more handball. You know, right. I, I became super conscious of it. And I had some critics on that as well. Yeah. And Smithy said, just keep handballing. Yeah. Every time you get it, whenever there's a chance, run on yeah. and play on and, uh, and handball because we've got some great players around mm-hmm. us. You know, uh, um, like Michael Bowden as well was another player like Bull that could actually read where the ball was going to go and was a, a great uh, guy at getting hold of it. You know, so it helped. I, um, I never saw you play. So can you tell me what your strengths were and also your weaknesses as a player? Uh, i put the weaknesses first. I, I was never really a long kick. Uh, and I think you know uh, today that would have been all straightened out, but it was it was yeah. obvious that I, I, I had you know a, a, a hamstring that was that was tight, right. and 
I'm very rarely had that, that ability to really follow yeah. through oh. because the, the heavy would stop it. You know, so right, any photos of you? <laughs> no, not, not the perfect lead, yeah. you know. <laughs> not the Teddy Witten style. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, I wasn't uh, really a, a top kick in that sense, but uh, I think my, um, you know, my, my work with the ball you know, uh, was probably a strength mm. in my, you know, my marking around the ground. was probably a head, head in, you know, anywhere on the goal square. And quite often I'd get moved down to the forward line and, uh, and uh, take a few catches and kick the odd drop mm. and goal. And, uh, but um, strengths too, I guess, were just you know, were getting ready for a big day. Any day that was a big day was a, you know, farm and nickels, you know, just the, uh, the metal. Preparation you go through to make sure you're going to do the job on the day. Right, and, and and was that did that differ from a normal for other ruckmans that you were rucking against? I oh, mean, did, always, the, did the whole morning change for you, or was it a? Oh yeah, it was, it was special. You know, bear in mind that there was other top ruckmen like sure. uh, Johnny Schultz was a terrific player, and I, I always knew that it was going to be a real struggle with him. Uh, Jeff Luke you know, at Essendon, who uh, was probably a couple of inches taller than me, gave us the, gave me the biggest thrashing I've ever had on the field in early in my career. And I, all day I tried, and uh, I don't think I touched the ball yeah. all day. Yeah. He just uh, absolutely smashed me. And, uh, I've had the uh, pleasure in telling him later uh, that, uh, that uh, he was the, one of the toughest opponents yeah. I've had. Uh, but I think you, you built yourself for everybody, but there was just uh, you know the superstars. You just wanted to do a little better somehow, and dug a bit deeper. Did you say that you, your first game, when you came down to Richmond, you played straight into the seniors? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. How tough was that for you, and what do you remember about that first game? Oh, the tough thing was, I guess, uh, no one telling me, but just tuning into 3UZ or 3KZ or someone, and someone told me I was in the in the series. I did cartwheels around the dining room at home, because uh, I'd not really thought about it. You know, where Coach Georgie Coach said, I'll go down there and get a bit of a yeah. pre-season under, the, under your belt, and it never ever occurred to me that I'd... Uh, I'd be going out there, right. but uh, it was each week pass, and I, I kept playing well in the practice games. Right. Uh, and given really, it was only my uh, probably second or third season of uh, uh, actual competitive footy. So it was, uh, uh, and then it took me took me five years to get to fifty games. So I had quite a few injuries, and uh, okay. uh, and spent I'm not quite sure. I think I played twelve or twelve or fifteen games in the, uh, the seconds in yeah. that process as well. Then I had a knee injury and. In, uh, with uh, 1960, which slowed me up a bit. Who was your first game against, Neil? North Melbourne, here at the uh, road. Do you remember your opponent? Uh, it would have been, um, it been uh, Skinny Martin, would have been one of them, and perhaps a young Noel Teasdale as well. It would have been coming in at, uh, at that time. Were you the ruckman? I started, Roy was Roy was the first ruckman, oh. so I didn't get to run on the ball at all. No, <laughs> no, no. That didn't happen. Uh, but I played it, uh, played, uh, you know, stationed me in the, uh, in the forward pocket, right. if you like, and uh, tore around like a mad dog, and I was lucky enough to kick a goal with the first kick in AFL footy, so that was a, that was a little uh, special thing that my, my cousin took a photograph of it with a little box brownie camera yeah. over there in the distance somewhere. <laughs> Have you seen that photo? Does it, yeah, it still exists. It's in my in my scrapbooks, which I. Oh, your first kick. That's your first goal with your first yeah. kick. That's sensational. Yeah. Um, can you just take me through that first kick? Do you remember it clearly? Yeah, it was. Uh, I was How many people down in the forward pocket over uh, near the pub there? But I didn't stop into the pub for a beer or anything. But uh, actually, um, Havel Row you know, got the ball in the centre and, and just broke down the wing there, uh, and uh, I just I just let out and uh, he just hit me on the chest with it. So I was about. 
30, 30, 40 metres out, I suppose, so it's on a very slight angle and uh, not using the drop punt in those days as yet. The, the old flat punt has sort of struggled its way through <laughs> with a bit of huffing and puffing from my end. So, uh, yeah, look, it was, uh, it was just, uh, you know, I, I, you feel a bit intimidated when you go out there mm. and you're, uh, you know, you're playing against guys that have uh, been around a long while and was it supposed to be the era when uh, players were pretty tough and then... Mm. Fitzroy had a, had a couple of knuckle men and, uh, and whenever I went out there I thought to myself I wonder whether I'm going to get a dose of this today and uh, very very rarely did I get uh, you know seriously whacked in any way and uh, right. you cop a couple here and there but uh, I was always content as I said earlier I was always content if they were whacking me in the head they weren't putting their hand on the ball so uh, that uh, you know, I probably had a reasonably hard head as well. Okay.